it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And we have new details tonight in a local story here. Two decades after a brutal double murder in East Alabama, still no answers. It's been 20 years since two young parents were killed in their Fort Mitchell mobile home park, and their families still don't know who did it or why. News 09's Katie Kamen is live tonight in Fort Mitchell, where the murders took place back in 1999. And Katie, you spoke exclusively with the aunt of one of the victims. So uh, tell us more. So much time has passed. What, is, what are family members saying about these killings today? This has been such an emotional week for the families of Candace Kaiser and David Fuller. Monday would have been Candace's 39th birthday. Today marks the 20th anniversary of their death and their daughter, who was just a baby at the time of the murder, is graduating. And on top of all of this, the case is still unsolved. I mean, I just imagined, you know, when he told me they were both gone, that they were in a wreck or something and never that somebody had, you know, went in their house and killed them, shot them. Regina Lloyd will never forget the day she found out her niece, Candace Kaiser, and her niece's boyfriend, David Keller, were murdered. It made me sick. Today is the 20th anniversary of the murder of the couple. Both were only 19 at the time. According to Alabama officials, Kaiser and Keller were shot inside their home in Fort Mitchell hours before Kaiser's mother found their bodies and their two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, who was still alive. I remember screaming and running through the trailer park for somebody to help me. The case remains unsolved, and Lloyd says their murder still haunts her. There's not a night that I, I go to sleep at night without thinking about her. You know, I've spent 20 years running scenarios in my head what happened. She says her whole family is frustrated by the lack of progress in the case. They want closure, you know. They want to know what happened, why. Lloyd started a Facebook page to hopefully bring more attention to the case and has continued to reach out to law enforcement, the Alabama governor, and multiple Alabama attorneys general, all with no luck. She doesn't know how to move forward. It's hard to keep hope. The most important thing she wants people to know. Don't forget about them and know that they have a family that still loves them and, you know, we still want to know what happened. I reached out to the Russell County Sheriff's Office for more updates on the case, but never heard back. Live in Fort Mitchell, Katie Kamen, WTVM News Leader 9. I can only imagine what this family is going through. Katie, let's hope they uh, get some answers soon. Thank you.
Hello, this is Marv. I write a weekly newspaper column about true crime, unsolved homicides, and the paranormal. The links to my social media accounts and columns can all be found on my website and in my episode notes. Welcome to the Catch My Killer podcast. Thank you for listening, and please be sure to visit my website at themarkob.com and check out my Instagram and Twitter accounts. And if you would like to help support my podcast with a donation for production cost, please click on my PayPal donation link. Every year, thousands of cases across the country go cold. In most cases, the killer is identified and arrested in a timely manner. But there are some cases that baffle the police and the public. These cases may not have any witnesses or traceable evidence. When this happens, the case becomes classified as cold. So what happens to cold cases? Unfortunately, after a while, the public and the media forget about these cases. The case files then end up in a closet or on a detective's desk. But do you know who will never forget these people? The families and friends of an unsolved homicide never forget. Many never recover. Some of them stop living. Instead, they just exist. For this episode, I spoke to Regina about the deaths of David Keller and Candace Kaiser. Candace was Regina's niece. May 8th, 1999. It's a date that will forever haunt Regina Lloyd. Over 20 years have passed since Regina's older sister, Sheila Kaiser, found her daughter Candace and David Keller murdered inside their Fort Mitchell, Alabama home. Although Candace was a year older than Regina, they were more like sisters than aunt and niece. The Kaiser and Keller families are still waiting for justice. Regina provided some insight into the relationship between David and Candace. They had dated in junior high school and they were your typical teenage couple who found love at an early age. Candace and David became parents early and were both ready for the challenges of parenthood. The night before David and Candace died, they had spent time with Candace's family. Regina said that everything appeared fine. David and Candace left late in the evening to return home. They had plans to look at property with Candace's mother in the morning. After Sheila didn't hear from her daughter, she drove to her daughter's house to check on her. What she found would haunt her forever. She knocked on the front door and the back door. No answer. Sheila immediately knew that something was wrong. She peeked in a window and saw her two-year-old granddaughter unattended. She climbed in through a window and found her daughter's body in her bedroom. Someone had shot her. Sheila grabbed her granddaughter and ran out the door for help. David was also found shot to death inside the home. David and Candace were your typical young couple. They had a great relationship and David worked hard to provide for Candace and their child. The family couldn't think of any reason why anybody would want to kill them. Today, the murders of David and Candace remain unsolved. Regina has contacted the state's AG, the president, the FBI, and other agencies for help. So far, her requests have been fruitless. Do you know who killed Candace Kaiser and David Keller? Can you help their daughter? and other family members get justice. They died over 20 years ago. It's time for someone to help the families end their suffering. The families need to know who killed Candace and David. They also want to know why. 
It's possible that the killer confided in someone or mentioned committing the murders. You could be that person who solves these murders. Now on with the story of David Keller and Candace Geyser. Candace was your niece, right? Yes. We had a weird relationship. She was more like my sister because... Yeah, the age. I was a late life accident. So oh, okay. I'm literally a year, a, a year younger than my niece. <laughs> oh, well, I'll still, call, I'll still call her your niece. She, so yeah, mean, she is your niece. She should call it me. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what I'll have you do is tell me about her and David. Just tell me what kind of people they were, how they met, how, you know, like how long they were together before they died. And just, I guess, kind of tell me about the relationship and then tell me about uh, and then go into like um, when the family found out what happened to him. And then take me into what's going on with the investigation. Like, is is the family, are you guys on the cops' asses about it? Or are you guys just kind of sitting back and not really saying too much to them? Because I know some people don't really like to call the police. But then other people I talked to said, oh, we're on it. We don't give a shit. We call them every week. We don't care. Yeah. Even though they don't call well, us back or not, a, we, we irritate them. We don't care. So, we've had uh, a very good relationship with them. There's, like, no communication. And I'll have to get into why. Yeah, that's you know, kind of. Yeah, that seems kind of normal. I started this page. I started this page like five years ago, and I tried to keep it, you know, all about them. And I just kept out hope, writing these letters to the attorney general and different ones. Yeah. And then finally, got to the point where you know, I, I, there's no hope. Nobody's going to help us. And then it was like, well, this is why. So I finally spilled the beans about that last year. Yeah, I'm, unfortunately, I've, it, it seems like a, you know I've talked to so many people about. Um, these sort of things that, that have happened in their family. And they've kind of told me what you've said. I mean, I've yet to really hear too many people go, oh, yeah, I mean, they're great. You know, they've really done everything they can to help me out. I mean, that doesn't seem to be, that seems to be very rare. You know, a lot of them, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, they've changed investigators. Investigators have changed. So we can't keep up with who's working on it or nobody's working on it. Or we, I hear I've given them tips and I, I don't think they've ever followed up on any of the tips I've given them, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, oh, that's definitely I'll go ahead and, um, just kind of let you start and you just kind of tell me the story and then, you know, you can kind of fit in what, what you think happened. Like if they had enemies or if you think it was a random stranger that saw them or something or, but, you know, you can just kind of give yeah. me your theories on what you, what you think might have happened. Candace and David, they were eight grade sweethearts. They met in middle school. Shortly after that, when they when Candace was 16, she became pregnant. And um, we lived in Mobile, Alabama at the time, all of us. And uh, when she became pregnant, she shortly after she found out, they moved with her parents to Cottonton, Alabama, which is in Russell County, for a job working as a contractor at the local paper mill. And they got there, and Candace and David eventually got their own place, and they just really stepped up. I mean, they were young, but they took responsibility. They wanted nothing but the best for Kayla, their baby daughter. David was working hard. He was working to become a licensed plumber, and he actually was in an apprenticeship at a local plumbing company there. And, I mean, anybody will tell you, he was a hard worker. I mean, people always said if there was an eighth day, David would have been working the eighth day of the week. 
you know, you always hear people say good things about the, about dead people, but in their case, it's all true, and this is how they were. I mean, to be so young, they just really had it together and was trying their best to provide a good life for their daughter. And, of course, all that changed Mother's Day weekend of 99, which was her birthday weekend also. She was killed two days after her 19th birthday, and uh, it was, like I said, Mother's Day weekend, so... Her brother, Ryan, and his girlfriend and their infant daughter, they came to visit for the weekend for Mother's Day. And, you know, they stayed up late talking, just hanging out. And then Candace and David left late that night, probably, I mean, sometime after midnight. And um, that's the last time anybody ever seen them alive again. So how were they found? What what brought up, you know, who who, who decided... You know something's wrong we need to go check on them how did that happen well they had plans the next day they had made with sue and bruce which is candace's parents david and candace actually they had some land they were interested in and they wanted you know her parents to go with them to look at it well they didn't show up the next day so my brother-in-law bruce and candace's little brother zach they went by there and knocked on the door and they didn't think much about it because david's work truck wasn't there so they're just like, well, they must have went somewhere in the work truck. And um, hours passed, so my sister Sheila went back with Robin, Ryan's girlfriend, and um, they knocked on the door. Nobody came. Sheila already knew that David didn't have his plumbing truck home that weekend. Somehow she already knew. I don't remember exactly how, but... Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere wear with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus she got really worried and started peeking in windows and you know she peeked in this one window i think it was the baby's room window and um she's seen her standing there just kind of in a daze shock um you know so she ended up climbing through the unlocked window. And first, she seen Candace, I guess, and she thought that she had fainted. She's like, that's the first thing that came to her mind. Oh, my God, Candace has fainted. She never imagined that, you know, she'd been shot. Well, she picked the baby up and ran out screaming for somebody to help, call 911. And then from there, like, our whole family, we're from Mobile, actually. We're from about four hours kind of southwest of where they lived at the time. So we all headed up there, and, I mean, it was like the entire family stayed there, and there wasn't room for everybody, but nobody wanted to leave. So, I mean, we literally just to stay there to be close in case they needed us. I mean, everybody slept in their cars in the yard. There were so many of us, you know. Yeah. It was just the most devastating thing that ever happened to our family. Now, where was David? 
David. Mm-hmm. David. Found Candace. So where what where was David at? I'm sorry, David. He was there too. From what I understand, I don't like to question a lot about it because she just breaks down. That's why she kind of depends on me to talk to her. But he was went closer to the front door, and um, he was shot in the temple, and then Candace was shot in the eye. And I thought he was kind of like in the hall by the bedroom, like like between the two. We always, you know, assume that you know she must have heard something happening. This is what I always assumed that he heard somebody come in and shoot David and she was hiding the baby. You know, Kayla was two and a half at the time. And that's just what we assume. I mean, there's no way of knowing. Why do you think that they let the baby live? Like maybe because they just felt like the the baby was We don't know. Old. I mean we always like we always thought maybe that she hit her or something, put her under the bed or something because like he was in the living room by the door and she was either coming out of the bedroom or going in the bedroom or just, I don't know. I mean, and Kayla could sleep through a tornado when she was a baby because she was just used to it. She just had an autistic sister and Destry, you know, she would be screaming, hollering, raising Cain. And so Kayla was raised around all that noise and stuff, you know, and um, she was just used to it. Like we used to joke about it. She could sleep through anything. So you think Candace hit her? Must have hit her. Probably. We've we've always just thought that she probably hit her. That's just my thing. I mean, because if he were shot at the door, and I don't know, then we thought, were they already in there when they got home in the middle of the night? So it's just really don't know. But we just always thought, in my mind, I always thought she hit her. I'm sure she, as a mother, she probably, that might have been her instinct Mm -hmm. to try to hide her baby. Yeah. And and it sounds like yeah, she mean, may have saved she may have saved her baby's life by doing that. Because I mean it's yeah, I probably mean, hard always, to say if the person would have seen the baby, he might have either harmed the baby or taken the baby with him. Especially if it was some like somebody who knew her because she's always been like an advanced child, you know, just ahead of things and just even at two and a half she had a very good vocabulary and you know. Well, that's a possibility that she might remember. She might remember one day, you know, when she gets older. I mean, there could be something that triggers her memory, and she could could have remembered what she saw. I mean, you know, yeah, and that's kind of the mind is a strange uh, thing. There, you know, you don't know how it's going to work. So, I'm guessing that he, whoever it was, did not see the baby. That's what we've always, you know, assumed that you know that he was hid. Especially if it was somebody knew her, they would know how vocal she was at the time you know to be too bad so they went home around midnight is that right it was sometime after midnight because you know my family we just sit around talking laughing and get carried away you know just that's our thing that's what we do visiting talking late and what time was it that the family went the next day to check on them it was late that late that afternoon when she finally filmed them Okay, so I don't remember exactly what time, and I don't have the note here with me. Oh, that's okay. So it, it must have been. It must. It was, have been I mean, pretty big the way we figured it, if they were if they were killed as soon as they got home, that baby was in that in that trailer with them twelve to sixteen hours. You know, it, it, I don't know how much of it she would have been asleep, but we figure she was in that trailer with them with their dead bodies for twelve to sixteen hours. 
Do you know what kind of clothing they were? What were they wearing when they were found? Were they wearing what they left the party with, or were they in their like pajamas, dressed for bed? You know what? That's one thing I've never thought of. I can't believe that. As much as I ran this through my head, I've never thought of that. Yeah, because that I honestly you, don't know. That'll tell you that should that could give you an idea. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. obviously they're not going to sleep in the clothes that they wore when you know they left your uh, relative's house. So. If they were found, you know, dead wearing those clothes compared to where, you know, if they were found in their pajamas or whatever, then, you know, maybe, you know, kind of give you an idea, you know, of how. I can't know, believe I've never thought that. Yeah, I, I mean, will definitely be talking to my sister about it, you know. Yeah, because it, it could help kind of give you a give you a window because, I mean, I'm assuming that when they got home, they didn't go to bed right away because of their age they were young and i remember when i was that young if i was out and i would go home you know and i'd be out with friends hanging out with family or friends and i'd go home late at night like say if i would have got home at midnight i probably wouldn't go to bed until two or three o'clock in the morning the kid would probably be out but i probably wouldn't even get dressed to go to bed until two or three o'clock in the morning so i would say that if they were found, I mean, if that's their normal practice, I mean, maybe they're the type of people who would go straight to bed when they got home. I don't know. But if they're like most young oh my gosh. in their 20s. Uh, she was not typical. She, oh my goodness, took her medicine at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She so, was 20. Like, yeah. She loved that baby to death. They're the typical she, she young. She didn't want to have any anytime soon. So it's like she would freak out if it was nine o two and she hadn't taken her birth control at nine. Oh, like okay. she was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> she was you know, very But I mean, if I'm saying if they were like normal young people in their twenties, like I was, because I was a you know when when I was in my twenties or whatever, and let's say I got home at midnight on a Saturday or weeknight, I'm I'm not going to bed till two or three, so I'm probably not going to change till that time. So I'm thinking. If they follow that yeah. same type of pattern, then and they were wearing their their regular clothes they were wearing at the with the uh, with the family, then they probably were killed between say midnight and say three o'clock in the morning. So you could probably mm -hmm. narrow down the time, you know, based on what they're wearing. Possibly, you know, I mean that's just something I was just thinking about. So something that's always drove me crazy in my mind. I try to wonder: were they already in there waiting on them, or did they come? And into the house afterwards like maybe david opened the door to somebody like knew him or did they ever dig up any fingerprints or dna or anything like that do you know i honestly don't know just oh, the way God. things have been and then the way they have been i've been afraid to question too much i'm like geez the way they have acted towards us and the way they've just been in general mm -hmm. it's like I don't want to remind them about it. They might go burn the rest of the evidence. I know that sounds far-fetched and crazy, but you just don't know what all they've done to us yeah. to make us think that, you know? All right. Now, do you know, did they have any, um, did they have any enemies or did, was there anything where prior involvement with drugs or anything? I mean, any, anything like that in their past or? No, honestly, they did not. They didn't do any kind of drugs, you know, that was proven because, you know, that's the first thing, you know, not wealthy people, we're just simple old people. So the first thing they say when a pair of kids is murdered like that, oh, it's drug related, you know. Sure. But that was definitely not the case. David had a Tylenol in his stomach and Candace, I think, a birth control pill. That's it. They didn't 
do any kind of drugs and kind of didn't like drinking. So she didn't like they would drink if he, you know, they, they just didn't really drink or anything. So it probably wasn't drug related then, but what about enemies? No. Did they have any enemies that you know of? I mean, did they, did they ever mention having any issues with anybody, maybe a coworker or a neighbor or an ex-girlfriend, no, ex-girlfriend, any, any kind of issues there? Like I said, they were eighth grade sweethearts and they're not from the area. So that's yeah. just not really something I've ever considered seriously. There's some stuff we've thought of recently. Like, you know, like David did report somebody or turn them in for stealing heavy equipment. And whenever my sister Sheila talked to him about that, you know, she told the detectives about it, they said, well, if he reported them, they probably in jail. That was their, you know, that was their way of thinking. And my sister, Sheila, she had been making a bunch of notes about stuff, suspicions, different things. And the sheriff's department, they took her notebook from her, her personal notebook with her thoughts, and just took it from her and wouldn't give it back to her, never gave it back to her. They either still have it or they burn it. Wow, that's unusual. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that before. Oh, no, no, it gets much more unusual, much more. I mean, the whole thing is crazy. The way this county wanted this murder to be just gone. They didn't want it in the news. They did, I mean, they knew exactly where our family was because after they died, I mean, there was no reason for them to be there. The only family they had was murdered. And Sheila just felt like, you know, it's just somebody that knew them. They knew Kayla. They knew how verbal she was. They found out she was in the house. She could have seen them. She just felt like, you know, what if they come back and get, try to kill her, you know? Right. So they left Russell County. They went back home to Mobile because, like I said, they were just there as contractors. And she just wanted to be gone, didn't want to go back. And um, But the whole time, the detectives, everybody knew exactly where they were. They had Everybody's phone numbers in Mobile County, and um, they came to the funeral. You know, they knew exactly where they were, but they told the media that they just, the family just left lock, stock, and barrel and ended the investigation. That's the exact words in one of the very few articles in the paper. I mean, it was just, they didn't want any coverage of it. After, you know, Sheila talked to these detectives, and she let them know, you know, because Candace being the way she was and just being like a perfect housekeeper. <laughs> she kept everything just perfectly clean, you know. You would know if something was out of place or weird in her house, you know, and her she was really close to her mom. She told her mom everything. So if she could have went back in there and looked around, she might would have seen if anything weird was there, you know, out of place. And she expressed this to these detectives that she wanted to go back in there as soon as the investigation was over, to look for herself to see if she's seen anything weird. Because when she was in there, she was distraught. She was freaking distraught, devastated. And, you know, she wasn't thinking about anything. All she did was pick that baby up, run screaming out of the out of the place when she realized they were both shot to death. And um, they went in there afterwards, knowing she wanted to go back in and look. They packed up everything in the entire trailer, packed it, everything they owned up in the boxes. And then when Sheila asked, why did you do that? You know, I wanted to go back in there and look. They told her, we did it for you, Sheila, because the landlord was going to throw all their stuff out. Well, finally, when this, everything's released, she goes to pick up their stuff. 
runs into the landlord, and the landlord comes over, expressing sympathy, you know, I'm sorry, this happened. And she was like, really? Well, why are you going to throw their stuff out? She was, the landlord was like in shock, like, what? You know, I never said that. I would never do such a thing. She's like, I mean, the landlord was like, you know, that's a lie. I don't know where it's coming from, but it didn't come from us. We never threatened to throw their stuff out. Never would. From there, it just kept getting worse. You know, the relationship with the sheriff's department just deteriorated completely. The family just could not handle any more of the mental abuse. It took such a mental toll. My brother-in-law, he was an alcoholic, and he was sober. He did sober for a while, and he just ended up losing his mind. I mean, he actually ended up having to go into mental health facilities because he just lost his mind. And um, But, I mean, I think maybe when he was in the, the center or whatever, he ended up writing a letter to the Montel show that was, you know, popular at the time. And, um, yeah, well, he wrote a letter, and Montel was going to help. They, they, I had the paperwork in my possession where they were agreeing for them to come onto the show and was going to help. Well, the sheriff's department shut that down. They didn't want anything. Didn't want them saying anything. No kind of help. No kind of nothing. So, kind of made a little bullet point where I could try to stay on track because I am ADD. They made threats. You know, my sister was just devastated. Just and then, you know, first the first thing was, oh, it's an apparent murder suicide. Okay, how does somebody kill themselves and get rid of the gun? You know, they were like, David did it. David shot her and then shot himself. But there was no gun. And, you know, anybody that knew David, David wouldn't have done that. And, you know, David didn't have much for family. My brother-in-law's parents, they had a small life insurance policy on Candace, which was nothing. Just, you know, responsible older people did that, you know. My mom had all that paid-up policies on all of the kids, you know. Well, David didn't have anything. I mean, if we would have had even the slightest thought that he did, I promise you, our family would not have buried him, you know, especially right next to her, everything, you know. He wasn't, we know it wasn't David. Well, his, if the rifle wasn't there, I like you just said, because I was going to ask you that, if yeah. it, it was a possibility of a murder-suicide, but you just answered my question. If there was no weapon there. Yeah, see, that was the first thing. Yeah, he couldn't have done it. Oh, no, that was the first thing. And then they even went to the point of accusing Sheila. Well, did you take the gun? No, she didn't take the gun. They did all the trick questions. Well, what was under David? She's like, well, hell, I don't know. I didn't I didn't look under him. Why would I? And, you know, she just, I mean, I'm sure there was plenty of witnesses. And my, my nephew's girlfriend was there. And, um. I mean, she can testify. She will rent out that trailer screaming with a baby only. No guns, nothing. That did not happen. And believe me, if my sister, she, I love her to death, but if she would have thought he did something to her, to her daughter, she would have beat his dead body. <laughs> I promise you. Right. But right. You know, David was a good guy, and we just, we know that's not the case. The whole thing just really sounds strange. I mean, it happened right after they left, and... So there's a possibility somebody could have been in the house waiting on them. Or like you said, maybe somebody knocked on the door. I would almost think that there'd be fingerprints or something. Something left behind. Yeah, I mean. Like they would have touched something. And you know, Candace was really big into gardening. That was her thing. She loved to garden, mm-hmm. all these plants. And she It was her birthday a couple of days before, and she got this garden set with garden gloves. 
Well, when my sister went back up there, she found one of those gloves outside laying on the ground, which it wouldn't have been there, you know. She found, I think there was cigarette butts and a bottle or something that she would know she'd seen there outside, and she don't know if they got those or not. Did Candace or David smoke? Were they smoking? They did. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it was their cigarettes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was something weird about it, maybe like a different brand or something oh. that she'd seen. Of course, they didn't smoke inside the house because, like I said, that baby was the world of her. I know when I spent the summer there, the year before, the summer of 97, you know, she was a mess. She didn't just have no smoking on her door. She had no smoking. Babies won't get take <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she didn't love that baby so much. There was a bunch of weird stuff like, you know, they didn't, I'm just thinking, they didn't take the baby's clothes. It seems like they would have took her clothes. You know, that's, I don't know if that would be standard or not, but it, that's something that we thought of years later. Why didn't they take Taylor's clothes? There could have been something on them. Yeah, that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, I mean, if you're talking about the 90s, I'm not sure how careful anybody would have been because I don't think DNA was really, really that big back in the 90s like that. I don't, if I don't recall, I don't. You know, I don't know if yeah, see, I don't either. careful about not leaving DNA. I mean, like today's criminals are trying to be careful about it, but 1990, it was, a, it was 1999, right, that they passed? Right. I mean, I don't really know if DNA was that big, so I'm kind of wondering if they would have left something. Now, d- did they steal anything? Did they take anything out of the, the trailer? You know, we really don't know. Like, my sister thinks that Candace had a necklace on that they may have taken off of her neck. and. We, to this day, don't know. She had, like, a diamond ring that mm-hmm. she will think they may have taken. But we don't know for sure because of the way things went down. I mean, we got most of her jewelry. And actually, some of her jewelry was laying on the counter, not touched. So that's a, another thing. It's like, Maybe why would they take the jewelry from the body and leave that laying there? Yeah, because you got to wonder if it was robbery motivated. I mean, but if they left jewelry, I mean, that seems kind of weird that they would take one thing. Yeah, I mean, there was jewelry from what I remember, what I remember she will tell me. There was jewelry, I don't remember, maybe on the counter or something. But it was like, obviously, you know, out where you could see it. So does does the mom and dad, are they actively, I mean, are, are they actively involved with, talking to people or doing online research or talking to the police about trying to find out what what happened or is it just you Sheila keeps up with the Sheila keeps up with the site with me you know I've got okay. her and my other niece on there and we're all kind of involved it's just it's just so much for her and she's like her exact words I just don't know what to say I end up you know just losing my train of thought and feeling like an idiot you know she's like I don't feel like I could do or you can. Like, I'm not great at it either. I mean, <laughs> but I try. That's all you um, can do. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I felt just the horrible guilt. I mean, I know now because I have all this stuff that everybody got me together, but being an 18 year old kid, I was mad. I was mad at everybody. I'm like, you're just letting people get away with this. You're not doing anything. I mean, they were writing letters and trying to do stuff, but it just, with all the threats, the main two threats after they moved on for the murder suicide, like I said, my nephew came to visit his mother on Mother's Day weekend, which apparently was odd. Since he came to visit, he was there from out of town. They just kind of honed in on him. 
he like became their suspect since he's from out of town. He's there and it happened. Well, he came into town in a car. He broke his muffler. So the car is loud as can be with a trailer hooked to it with a four wheeler on it. I mean, there's no way he would have left the house without somebody knowing. And it was a small house my sister was in. You know, they they would have knew. Nobody left their house. It was eight and a half miles away, and nobody left that night, you know. But they just kind of warned in on Ryan, and just it got to the point where the detectives threatened Sheila and pretty much said, Sheila, if you don't let it go, we're going to arrest somebody. We're going to pin this on somebody. And she, they hinted around that they were going to they were going to frame Ryan for the murder, you know. And uh, they also threatened to have Kayla taken from her and uh, put in, I guess, legal custody, CPS or whatever. Right, foster if care. Didn't just, like yeah. yeah, if she didn't just let it go. So there you go. She's a lost her daughter and her son-in-law murdered. And then they're threatened to frame her son and threatened to... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Take her grandbaby away if she didn't just let it go. But, I mean, for the life of me, why did they want it to go away so badly? I don't. I will never understand that. I don't know if it was political. You know, I just. It's just hard to fathom. Now, what about when's the last time you've gotten a new sheriff? Have you gotten a new sheriff lately out there? Yes, we have. There's a new sheriff out there, but the problem is the new sheriff is the last detective on their case. He wasn't one of the bad ones, one of the really bad ones that threatened to have the baby taken away, threatened to frame somebody. I mean, he came to Mobile. I met him. You know, I was there for a lot of it, you know, myself. And he was a nice guy until he just pretty much tried to convince Sheila to call the sheriff and agree that David did it, that it was a murder-suicide. He asked her, he asked, Sheila, wouldn't you just rather David had done it than anybody else? So, I mean, that's who we have to turn to. So, basically, we've had nobody to turn to. I've reached out to the AG, the governor. I've even written the president. I mean, where do you turn? I mean, and then, you know, I didn't have any way to research who to contact. My mother, bless her heart, she tried. She called the FBI in Mobile, Alabama. But, you know, they pretty much said there was nothing they could do to help. We had nowhere to turn to. And then she was just, they were so intimidated and threatened and tormented and She'd already lost her daughter. She didn't want to lose her son and her granddaughter, too. What about the state police? They were briefly involved. The ABI was. They honestly wasn't much more help either. I think his name was Charles Wright, the detective. Actually, the last conversation I remember my mama having with, I believe his name was Charles Wright, that detective with the ABI. Mama had heard of another murder up in Fort Mitchell of a lady. She was killed found at the cemetery not far from where Candace and them lived and um mama called you know asked did you think it was related and she was pretty much told 
excuse my French, I'm going to give you the exact words. It wasn't related. That was just an old nigger prostitute. And I'm going to tell you, my mother, she got off that phone and she cried. She's like, that's somebody's child. That's somebody's daughter. Somebody loves that lady. And they talk about her like that. And so that's the people we had to turn to. Nobody. And that's the last I, I remember being in touch with the Alabama Bureau of Investigation. I was standing there when my mama was, you know, calling them that day. And that's the last I know that anybody talked to them because it was obvious they wasn't going to be of any help and they just didn't respect people at all. That's a shame. I know. It's just sickening. I never in my life would have thought 20 years later we still wouldn't have any kind of answers. And, you know, the sheriff is, was involved in the case. He wasn't the worst of them, but I've always felt like, oh, if I call him or whatever, just I might just remind them to go burn the rest of the evidence because obviously they did not want this case solved and they didn't want it in the media for some reason. Have you guys spoke to any of your local media? Have you talked to your local news channels? Whenever I started the Facebook page, I started reaching out to the media up there, you know, the local media, and um, they showed interest. But the next thing I know, they totally 100% lost interest. And we know that it, it was the sheriff's department shutting it down. Well, then... I finally got the idea of joining all these yard sale groups up there in the area. I joined so many that I got put in Facebook jail, but it did some good because I was able to, you know, share their story around. And then the media ended up calling me anyway. And um, that's how that happened. But uh, yeah, before that, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything, you know. I've heard people tell me the same similar type of stories. But what I'm kind of hoping is that the the thing is with social media, as you probably know, is, you, you know, you, you never know who's going to hear something. And what I'm hoping to do is, you know, when I tell people when I talk to them is to get this out there and you never know who's going to hear it. Because I do have people that listen. Plus, I write a column and I write about unsolved mm-hmm. cases. Sometimes when I do podcasts, I do a, I do the podcast and I write a column for The Sun. And the thing is, lots of people will hear the podcast and lots of people will read it about the stories. And you just never know who's going to read it. You never know. I mean, it could be a retired detective. It could be somebody that knows something. You know, it could be the ex-wife or ex-husband of somebody that was involved that may be angry enough now to say something. So what I want to do is just really try to get the stories out to as many ears as possible and hope that maybe we can pry something loose out of somebody or somebody will hear you and feel bad for you and try to help you out, you know, so. That's what I want more than anything. I mean, I just. Yeah. And that's what I feel like you can do through social media. I mean, social media seems to be one of the best things, you know. And there have been crimes solved through social media where people have reported tips to, you know, Facebook crime scene pages like mine and, you know, other ones. They've given up information um, and solved cases. So, but that's kind of what, that's kind of what my goal is to do. And I'm hoping that somebody will hear it. And as it gets out more and we get new. Yeah. I spent most of the entire summer of 2017 there. Mm -hmm. They didn't live at the exact same place but um i spent the summer there and i got to know people and you know i have some suspicions some really strong suspicions myself i'm sure you do at the time you know but uh 
not going to help if nobody will look at the case. You know, the AG, I did get in touch with the uh, the detective for the AG that does, you know, handle the cold cases. And mm-hmm. he pretty much from along a couple, a couple years, you know, gave me hope and never did anything, which it wasn't his fault. He was, you know, pretty much told me he was overworked. He was covering the entire state of Alabama by himself, one man, as far as cold cases. And, you know, he just never got around to it. And then the next thing I know, he retired and moved on. And I'm like, well, that was my only hope. So then that's why finally, after all these years of keeping all the treatment of why nothing was ever done and why everything went quiet, I, I mean, I didn't want that to be part of anything. And um, when he left, I just lost hope. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to tell them what they done to us. And we're not the only ones. There was another case. I talked to the mom. You know, they made a arrest in this other boy's murder. It's actually two boys, but the mom of one of them. She feels like it was a cover-up, and the guy they arrested was scared to death, and he was a fall guy. He helped with the search of her, looking for her son at the time, borrowed her phone, and the person he called when he borrowed her phone was one of the lieutenants with the sheriff's department's home number. She finds this out two months later when they find out they arrest this guy, and she's like, well, he used my phone at the site. So she goes looking and researching and finds out he called that lieutenant the day before the body was found at home. You know, it's some really weird, shady stuff going on up there. It's not just us. I mean, sure. I mean, I have all her information, too. Even though they've made an arrest, she believes they arrested a, arrested a fall guy. Yeah, it's a possibility. Her son wasn't involved in drugs or anything like that. She just feels like he may have seen something. Uh, so if anybody knows anything, what who who should they contact with the tips? I mean, would you want them to send them to your page directly to you, or what? Who where would they go? I mean, that would be fine. I mean, I guess they could contact the Russell Russell County Sheriff's Department. I don't know that they would do anything though. Yeah, I mean, or I they mean, could send them. They could send them to your page, and you could forward. Yeah. Them. That way, you you've seen them first. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be great. I would never know about it if it went directly to them, I'm sure. No, they wouldn't tell you. So, I mean, no. I, we can leave both options because some people may feel comfortable contacting you through your page while others may feel comfortable calling the police directly. I mean, it's, you know, everybody has their preferences. Well, let me ask you this um, to conclude this. If anybody were out there listening and they know anything about who killed David and Candace, what would you say to that person? I would tell them to please come forward. I mean, it's just been over 20 years of hell, not knowing what happened to them, tormenting ourselves, in our, you know, running scenarios in our head all the time. I mean, for years, there wasn't a night I went to sleep where I wasn't thinking, I wonder if David was in the living room and opened the door, you know, with somebody in the house. I've thought that stuff for years, and I just want to know who did it and why. And my great niece deserves to know. I mean, she wants to know. You know, we have a really big, close family, and there's a ton of us girls. We pile up in bed and laugh and talk all night long. You know, one of the last times I was back home, I did that with my niece, and we are just laying there and then started talking about it, how badly she wanted to know who killed her mom and daddy, and she just wants to know. We all want to know. And that concludes David and Candace's story. If you know anything about their homicides, please send tips to the Russell County Sheriff's Office at 334-298-6535.
or visit their website. I will share this information on the podcast notes. There is also a $10,000 reward for anyone with information leading to the killers. The family also has a Facebook page titled Justice for Candace and David. The family hopes that someone will share a tip that could solve this case. And if you are a parent, law enforcement official, friend, or relative seeking justice for an unsolved homicide case, please visit my website and complete the contact form or contact me through Facebook. Thank you for listening. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.